This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 69. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts, Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick, and I am joined today by my co-host, Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. How Lisa- are you today, John? Hey, I'm never better. How are you? I'm good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I-, I cut you off so you can ask. Hey, I like that. So this is a show where we talk about colored pencil, and we talk it out every single Monday, come rain or shine. Lisa, what are we talking about today? We are going to talk about the difference between learning skill and technique versus magic and fairy dust. We have got a ton of show notes to go over here. So I think the easiest way to start this off is to explain what I mean by the magic and fairy dust concept. We see this a lot with artists who end up getting more towards an abstracty stylized look, which of course isn't as often as in colored pencil as it is some other mediums. But I have seen so often where artists aren't focusing or spending the time to develop their skills and techniques because they think that if they pray to the spirits in the air of the city they live in, they're going to be blessed with the skill to paint. I'm not kidding you. I have heard this. I read one girl. Actually, I think she's local to me or she was. Maybe it was where I used to live. I don't remember. But she was writing how she used to burn incense and pray to the spirits about the the essence of her subject. She would do portraits, pet and people. Pray about the essence of their spirit to capture it into the essence that she then mixed into her paint. Let's not even talk about archival issues here. Mix into her paint that then ended up on the canvas and now she has captured the spirit's energy into that canvas. My other story, um, there's two examples. The other one is a girl who was working towards realism. She used to self-describe herself as using the techniques of the old masters. Only her work did not reflect that. By the way, don't praise yourself if your work is not backing it. You should really never praise yourself like that on your website. Um, But it was one of those things you looked at her work and went, really? You seriously just said that? Okay. But her thing, she did the same, a very similar concept where she needed to know what the pet's favorite toy was, what the dog liked to do during the day, what its favorite thing to eat was. She convinced people she needed to know this information so she could best capture her subject's spirit on the painting. In both these cases, and in every other case, these are just the two that are popping out the most in my head right now, every single time I have known of an artist who lived in this fairy tale land, their work was, it didn't progress. I don't want to say yeah. that it was terrible. It's that they started off, I mean, we all start off at a ter- where we're terrible. That's normal. That's not something to be judged for. But the problem was years and years and years go by and they're so busy focusing on this kind of supernatural aspect of their art that they didn't focus on technique. And in that amount of time, they could have been amazing. But they were too focused on the idea that some magical being was going to bless them with the skills 
to create the yeah, artwork instead of having to put in the hard work. Because meanwhile, the same artist at the same skill level was focused on the right exactly. thing. Exactly. And so they leapfrogged them, I'm sure. Exactly. That's and the problem. The, that, both of the artists that I'm using in my example, they their goal was to become a professional artist. They were trying to make a living at it, and neither one of them could, and neither one of them ever did. And this one of them I had followed for about 10 years. It was about 10 years ago I saw what she was doing, and she no longer is focusing on art because she couldn't make it, because she didn't improve her skills. There was a lot wrong with with what she was doing it technical wise and because she was working towards realism, she just never captured it because she wasn't focusing on the right things. You know, it reminds me of what that what Esther Roy uh, said to us not that long ago, Lisa, and that was hard work is important in art just as it is in everything in life, you know. Yes. So yeah, true. There's no I mean, magic I, portal you can walk through and skip through the hard parts. Right. Right. I, I, you know, I could go to work at my day job and I could sit there and wait till the spirit moves me before I start, you know, <laughs> exactly. programming or clicking and that's the mouse something I or see whatever. with artists a lot too, where they feel like the moon has to be in the right place. They've got to be in the right mood. They have to, everything has to align perfectly for them to get over to the easel and work. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to go very fast that way. <laughs> right. Right. Go sit down and work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I don't have somebody just leaning over my shoulder all day at work either. And I could just sit there and wait till the spirit moves me. <laughs> I think after a month or so, someone might fire me, though, if something like that happened. But well, I mean, it's funny because it's, people have this idea that for yeah. some reason as artists, it's the one job that you should be able to be basically be a screw screw up. You can do whatever you want. You know, and, sleep all day. Okay, I do sleep all day, emotional. but I'm up all late night working. But I mean, you can, yeah. you know, work an hour a day and you're good. Or, you know, when you feel like it, when the mood strikes, if this is something you're trying to do as a profession, you need to treat it as a job. You know, it's a good job, right. but you still have to work. Right. And that, uh, but see, and that is the problem often with this type of work, though, is it's an entrepreneurial kind of work. It's a self-employment yes. kind of work. And so you do have to be internally driven and self-motivated in order to, you know, just trudge through things and get the work done, get it out the door. Um, it reminds me of a quote that is often uh, bandied around with regard to people that work for themselves and they say, you know, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. I can work any any time that I want. I work any, you know, I can sleep in, whatever. I can work any 12 hours of the day that I want to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? So, right, there's one quote that I love. It's, and I'm going to screw it up, but it's something along the lines of entrepreneurs are the only people who will work an 80 hour work week to so avoid working a 40 hour work week. Working a 40, that's right. Oh. Uh, <laughs> believe that that's so yeah, true so so true but so it what is the, to... what is the option then i mean if if people so here's the thing if you like if you enjoy the idea of capturing the spirit by burning incense and whatever it is you want to do if you're doing this for a hobby and that's something that is fun to for you go for it that is totally fine. But for those who are trying to really improve their skills, they've got to focus on the technical side. They can't just leave it at, I'm going to, you know, light candles and dance around naked, and now I'm suddenly going to be a great artist. Oh, Trust dear. me, in the years I've been doing this, some of the stuff that I've read people do to try to improve their art, I'm just like, <laughs> well, you could just no. practice. You yeah, leave your clothes on and you could practice and you're going to learn so much more. Right. Now, you know, I, I'm not I'm not trying to take up for that kind of thinking at all. I'm not into the woo woo stuff anyway. But I will tell you this, that th I've had commissions uh, with pets and with people at times where 
you know, I've asked, okay, can I come over and take more reference shots and that kind of thing? And it's not to, you know, uh, invoke the spirit or anything like that, but it, it is to get more reference material well, so that I can do a pet psychic and having right, a conversation right. with a dog yeah. to find out what it's feeling. Yeah, I didn't the cook time. the the dog a meal or anything, and then play with you know the the squeaky toy or anything with them. <laughs> but you know, I got down there with my camera and took some that shots. That is something though I love doing. I love when I can yeah. take the photos myself. Besides the fact that you get the photos that you really want, yeah. but I do like meeting the subject. Because you can have a connection. Somebody that you've met or a pet that you've right, met. Right, Yeah, you've got exactly that connection. And you feel the love as you're as you're creating and as you're yeah. drawing, you know, you feel that connection. Yeah, it's definitely you a lot something. of fun. So I get that. And, right. you know, on the other side, I should say, too, there was – I am full of stories today because it's the easy way, easiest way for me to explain things or talk about this. But there was a time – I went to an art and craft fair. Year, gosh, this must have been about 20 years ago. And this girl was selling these little fairies she had sculpted, and they were in those bug boxes that kids capture are the bug cages. Mm-hmm. It was so cute. She had moss in there and it looked like a little fairy sleeping in a bug cage. It was the cutest thing. What really got me on this though is when you walked up to her booth and you started looking at them and you're thinking you're just going to talk to her like a normal person. No, <laughs> she played a role. She was like, mm-hmm. be qui- you know, be quiet. The fairies are sleeping. You don't want to wake them. And it, it was, see, it smart. made it fun though. It definitely made yeah. for a somewhat fun experience. Right. So I can see marketing wise yeah. why an artist may throw in, I'd like to see what type of toys the dog have what you know what they like their personality because that might make it more fun for the buyer so marketing wise that could definitely work for you i don't choose to do it because it's a little um not as genuine yeah but i can see where some artists might do that to kind of make the experience fun because people do like to to feel like they're a part of the process yes i get that as long as as the artist you realize that that's not going to make up for technical skill and practice yeah and that won't resonate with everyone either they do want a technical drawing you know uh, especially with colored pencil, I mean, the, and, it, and it lends itself so easily to that, you know, that we we do. I, I know it's mathematical. I know it's it's just a precision thing. We do want it to look like the subject that we're uh, trying to trying to portray, and guarantee that the person commissioning the portrait they want it to look like. Whoever well, and it's it is. funny because I hear all the time when I've done, I don't really do them anymore, but when I used to take commissions, I would hear regularly from people, you captured their spirit. Yeah. And it always kind of struck me as a yeah. little silly because they're not an artist, so they don't understand. But no, I copied the reference photo you gave me and I copied it very accurately so that it looked like your pet. I may have adjusted colors <laughs> and improved on it and such. But as far as capturing the dog's expression, all of that, it's because I copied your reference photo. It is my technical yeah. skills that made the buyer feel that I captured their pet but, spirit, not yeah, but that dancing is, around that, lighting incense. But you're and you're hitting on something there. I think is really big. I mean, and that is kind of how a non-artist sees it a lot of times. They're like, yeah. oh, you captured the personality perfectly, you know, and things like that. Which I kind of understand, you know, kind of where they're coming from with that. Yeah. But but you're right, it is uh, it's mathematical. Yeah, and the, that's what's sad. I mean, everyone wants to jump into the fact that it's creative. You know, what? there is a time for the creative process in art, mm-hmm. and it's usually in coming up with your initial design, your initial yeah. drawing, your layout. There's where your creativity is really k- 
kicking in. But once right. you start drawing, when you're an artist who works in realism or yeah. even more so in photorealism, right. you now are moving into a very technical side of things. Yes. So with me, people are like, well, what if you weren't in the mood to work? It doesn't matter. I know how to do this. I've got to sit my butt down yeah. at that easel and I have to start drawing because it's not a matter of being in the mood. And there are times where I'm just like, I can't sit still. Yeah. But for the most part, it's a matter of now I've got to apply my technical side. The creative side, I do feel like there are times I'm not connecting or I'm not getting it right. That I understand. But once you've come up with your design and you start that pencil or that paintbrush hits the canvas, you're now moving on to the technical side and and you can actually turn off the incense and put your clothes back on and work on the the hard work part. Yeah, and you can disengage part of your brain for a little bit if you want to do that because you've gone through that technical um, thing, those technical things in the past, and you know what you're going to do. And you can listen to music, or you can do you know something else. Audio books are what I love. Right, right, definitely. They will make me sit still so much longer. Oh yeah. Now on it the engages side, your brain. I don't on... usually want to listen to audiobooks when I'm coming up with my design. That right, I usually you're... will listen to more. To music, something that puts me kind of in the mood. So then I guess I'm getting into my more fairy tale side, the creative side, where I've got to connect with whatever it is and really focus on it. But, but there's yeah, something you... to that, you know, because yeah. you're, yeah, you're invoking just certain uh, portions of your creative self and then you're kind of quieting that for a little bit when you're doing your technical portion as well. I mean, there's ways of engaging and disengaging that side, you know, for uh, those purposes, I think. That's yeah. kind of fun. Yeah, and I think it's important to just understand the difference. Right, definitely. So one thing that I heard, actually it was a critique I was working on recently, the artist commented that her goal, she was trying to capture the spirit of the dog. And she, her portrait would actually, was actually decent, but the point was that you're now, it sounds like to me like you're focusing more on this supernatural side versus your technical skills. Don't, you've got to depend more on those technical skills. Yeah. You've got to really focus on that if you want to capture what views like, cap or if you want to hit the point where the viewer is looking at it and going, oh, you captured their spirit, you've got to put away, which is funny because it seems like such a contradiction. You have to put away then this supernatural fairyland, get rid of your magic fairy dust, and now focus on the technical. Those are the things you're looking for. So what are those technical things that you really have to pay attention to in capturing what people consider the essence or the spirit of that animal or the portrait? What what are those specific things, those specific traits to look for? Yeah, well, some of the things you've got to get right <laughs> is the proportion, right? I oh, mean, you've yes. got to get that right. You've got to start out with a very strong line drawing. And if that means tracing it, then trace it uh, or do a graphite transfer or whatever it is. Uh, just make sure that that is so strong because it just sets you up for the rest of the piece. And that's what's funny. I think that was the basis of where the two artists that I used as my example early mm -hmm. on, their line drawings were horrible. They were not spending the time needed. They were rushing through it because they seemed to think that they could depend on the spirits to do the hard work for them instead of them taking the necessary time. And one of these right. girls, I think she had the talent. I think she could have drawn this out perfectly. I think she was rushing through it. Looking at what she was doing, pretty sure that was the problem there. She was depending on later on her fairy dust, whatever she was leaning on, was going to be her crutch and that she could skip through the technical portion and she didn't she couldn't it it wasn't working 
Okay, so here's the, here's the big question. You know this is coming, right? How do you talk to somebody and tell them that? Listen, you know, take that off no. for a moment. Yeah. But if they're asking you. Oh, now if they ask. You know, if they different. say, okay, look, here's, here's, here was my line draw. Here's my progression. Here's my work in progress. Um, I sprinkled the fairy dust and I, I invoked the spirits. And look what happened, though. What What went wrong, you know? You're wanting to say, well, that line drawing was not. Yeah, you know, I would. Was, I would that was start a problem by right saying there. your foundation. We've got to yeah. start with the foundation here. You've got a great design, and usually, quite often, these people have great ideas. Their oh, design, yeah. the right. concept is fine. It's the execution that's failing, and so I would just tell them, you know, let's back up. Let's look at your foundation. You've got the yeah. got a good idea. So now we've got to get the structure built right. We've got to get that line drawing in there really, really accurately. First, before you ever start, before that pencil hits the paper or your colored pencil hits the paper, let's start with that solid foundation. You, again, and I, for me, I would just throw in again, like for that one artist, her designs were, were decent. Her concepts mm-hmm. were decent. It was the execution that was, was failing. It was the technical skills that were failing. I think she could have been a great artist if she would have focused on the right aspects. Yeah, yeah. Unless someone asks for that. I mean, you really can't say it. But I mean, if when they are asking, and you do see that from time to time, they're wanting to know, you know, they're wanting some help. Um, you know, what went wrong? What, you know, how, how did this, you know, I thought I started off so strong with this. Yeah. Uh, what went wrong? You know, I and think focusing too, another on big one it. would be focusing on the eyes. When you're yes. really trying to capture that subject, getting the outer shape of the eyes and on people, that upper eyelid oh, yeah. is such a big deal. If you have that upper eyelid slightly tweaked where it's too rounded, too flat, you change their expression and you no longer capture what the viewer would call their essence, their yes, spirit, yes. whatever. Eyebrows make a big deal too yes, with people. Yes. Eyebrows you know, you can get a lot of things slightly inaccurate, but eyebrows, I don't know what it is, but uh, yeah, those those make a big, big difference. And that's really where you generally want the focus of your portrait anyway. I mean, the right. whole thing has to be You do want it good, on the eyes. Yes. But you want to, yes, you want to pull the viewer into the eyes. And so making sure you get that part in there just right. And just a few tips on eyes while we're on the subject. They're not the whites of the eye. They're not white. They are never going to be solid white, ever. They are usually going to be various shades of grays. The only white portion in the eye is going to be that highlight. That shine on the eye will be the only white, white portion. Everything else, you can use the eyedropper tool. We talk about this all the time. But the Photoshop eyedropper tool or an app that has a color matching tool, and I've got some videos showing you how to do that we'll put in the show notes. But if you use those, that will show you how not white the white of the eye is, unless the Mm -hmm. photo was taken with a flash, in which case that's probably not the best photo to be working from anyway. But a natural, in a natural setting, natural lighting, the white of the eyes are not going to be white and if you draw them white you just lost it all nothing's going to look right if you make those solid white you suddenly made the entire eye look flat and you can't have any shiny marks because everything's as bright as it can be so nothing looks shiny anymore you know this ties in really well though with what we were uh, talking about just a couple of weeks ago with regard to color and with your focus and your balance in, in your piece um, and that is, you know, this is something that a lot of uh, beginner colored pencil artists will ask as well is, you know, well, if I'm drawing my subject, what do I do about a background? How can I render a background? You know, I, they get hung up on that. If you're just focusing, though, on your subject, if it's a portrait, think about those eyes. That is your that is your main job. 
is to get mm-hmm. that so right because that will be your focal point. That that is a thing that it's going to make or break something. Re- yeah. You can have the most fabulous looking background that has ever been seen, but if those eyes and the portrait, the subject matter is not quite right, it's it's going to detract. Now, on the else. flip side, that doesn't mean that you can rush over the background and no. you have to do it. You've really got to put no, the same amount of attention into everything and make sure every if you're going for a blurry background, everything needs to be blended. The colors need to, to work well with your portrait, your values. All of that needs to be in there, too. You can't just rush over that, it, that can, can pull the pull, whole thing yes, down, too. Yes, but that can but come eyes. with time as well. Yeah, yeah, but focus on the primary things when you're starting out and then focus on those other things. All right. Well, Lisa, I guess we could go on and on about this. Uh, Maybe we'll save some other things for another time, right? Yeah. And if you guys want to talk about this, we have our Facebook group where if you've got stories you'd like to share, definitely head over there. I would love to read your experience on this topic. That'd be fun. All right. So podcast group that she's talking about is the Color Pencil Podcast group on Facebook. And the show notes will be over there at sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. And we would love for you to check that out as well. And if you have any topics that you would like for Lisa and I to cover, uh, email those to us, podcast at sharpenedartist.com. I want to end today with a quote. The wise man said in Ecclesiastes 3.22, I perceived that nothing is better than that a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his heritage. And we will talk to you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com. Did you hear my hesitation in that? It sounded like, exact oh, to me. Do- oh, okay, okay. I think our timing is off. Yeah. But it sounded right. good to me. Okay, good. Oh, boy.